What's going on, Orlando City fans? Welcome back to the Lions Blog Podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Rushnow, and today we will be reviewing the insane 4-1 win over Chicago. Was it a deserved 4-1 win? Maybe not. Maybe that scoreline definitely uh, leans to our side more than Chicago's uh, in terms of what was deserved in the match. So we're going to be talking about that. Uh, Before we get started, though, I'd like to Shout out the last episode we did with Taylor. Me, Adam, and Taylor did a phase one review. If you have not listened to that, make sure to go listen to it. Taylor is, of course, from at Orlando City UK on Twitter and runs all of that. And there's a great episode reviewing phase one. So make sure you go and give that a listen. Uh, also, I'd like to thank Cappy's subs. You can order over the phone at 407-647-9099 or online at cappyssubsfl.com. All one word. Adam, my man, where are they located? Cappy's located at 501 North Orlando Avenue in Maitland, Florida, not Winter Park. Make sure it's not Winter Park. Make sure to leave a five-star review. We will be reading them out on the podcast, and that would be greatly appreciated to help us reach more and more Orlando City fans, Orlando City podcast listeners as we are growing. Um, And with that, Daniel, how are you doing tonight? It is Monday night. It has been a long Monday for me. What about you? Yeah, I'm all right. Yep. Okay. Chase? I'm all right as well. (laughs) All right. We seem to all be all right. Adam, you all right as well? Yeah, I had a good day today. Okay. So Adam is good. Daniel and Chase are all right. And I'm like, bleh. So we've got all ends of the spectrum here. Like Uncle Iroh says, we must have balance in our lives. And we are evenly balanced. We're going to start with Mr. Good here, Mr. Adam. Uh, I want to get your 1,000 foot view of this game. Uh, Just, just overall 1000 foot view of this just game? looking at it just just you don't have to go into deep details just what were your thoughts on the entirety of the match sometimes it's better to be lucky than good and sometimes you create your own luck and this this kind of stuff seems to happen to good teams where if you're kind of on a roll we're uh unbeaten in six now you're kind of on the roll and you deserve to be this good not like orlando city teams in the past where we've kind of fluked our way to some winning streaks like you can see the foundation of how this team likes to play it. And the main uh, drivers of the offense were Chris Mueller and Nani to like two of the best attackers in the league this season. So it's not like that was a complete fluke. Um, but just sometimes due to the quality of your, your team and the m- mentality that you play with, and certainly Pereja instills a strong mentality in his team uh, fluke results that seem fluky like this, and they might be a little lucky are going to happen just because Sometimes if you're that good, you create your own luck. So no, we probably didn't deserve to win 4-1. I'd say I'd still say that a win is a fair result because you have to do the job. And Orlando City did the job. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, lo- I like th- that you said that Chris Mueller is up there as some of the top wingers in the league. He is actually non-penalty goals and assists per 90 number one in the league. Uh, ben Bear released that stat today. He has yesterday. a very strong case for best 11. I, if they're giving it out today, he would be on the team, I believe. Yeah, so absolutely. It's not yeah. a stretch to say he's been one of the best attackers in the league this season. 
Right. And I liked what you said about make your own luck. Uh, it seems to be uh, a growing theme here at Orlando City. Uh, now let's get into the nitty gritty of the game. And Chase, I'm going to go to you next. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on Kamal Miller getting the start back over Kyle Smith after obviously uh, he had a rough couple of games. Smith comes in for him uh, in the Inter-Miami game and then Kamal Miller gets his place back, gets another chance and then substituted at the halftime was, I don't know if that was an injury um, or if that was just a, uh, a tactical sub, but what were your thoughts on Kamal Miller's performance and the fact that he came into the game? Yeah. I mean, Kamal Miller, like Kamal Miller and Kyle Smith, like a good performance out of either of them is one where you don't necessarily notice them very much. I feel like, and uh, other than, you know, Kamal, kind of coming across when uh, Antonio Carlos was a bit caught out and Janssen was isolated where it was Barrick and I think Mihaljevic in the box. Uh, th- like, this is when they hit the post. You know, Kamal came across and got a deflection and deflected onto the post, which was, you know, one of many situations in a game where we were kind of lucky to, uh, you know, get out of it and get the ball clear without conceding a goal. Um, other than that, I mean, I didn't particularly notice too much of it. I think a lot of the action today actually came down their left side. Uh, with kind of Mihaljevic and Madrin and, and their left back, I believe it's Rosales. Uh, you know, that's where I kind of recall a lot of their offensive chances coming through, if you will. And, um, you know, Kamal Miller didn't have a whole lot to do. You know, he complete, completed most of his passes, which is something that he tends to do in every game, even when ones or even in games where we criticize him. And, you know, when he was called upon, I think that he was he was fairly up to it. And, you know, like I said, you know, he just – there was no kind of memorable mistake. You know, he's not going to contribute too much in attack uh, like Zhao does. And, and, you know, you just kind of look to him to be solid and, and essentially just formidable, like not really make any game-changing errors. And I think he did that in the day. And, and you know, kind of saving a goal might be a bit much, but, you know, he, he deflected I think that it, ball. I think it is. I think it, it is. It's, it's a bit that much. That shot is very hard. Uh, like hit hard. I think I think that goes in if he doesn't block it. Yeah, I, the, I mean the trajectory. Like it's hard to tell. It looked like maybe it was in kind of Galicia's save range, but you never know. And, and like you know, he saved a pen in the game, and he had a really good save in the second half. But sometimes he can have a tendency for an error every now and again. So you know, it's good. It, it might have been a little bit lucky to go into the post, but regardless, he still kind of got the block and and, and prevented a, a goal scoring chance and a shot on goal. So I mean, it's good. It's a good defensive play by him, so I was happy with him overall. Uh, well, thoughts on him getting subbed at halftime? Was that an injury? Um, shoot, I do not even remember. If, if do I'm any of us re- know? Uh, here, let me look. I'm gonna look it up. I do remember him getting subbed off, but I cannot recall if it was an injury. I didn't really see anything I'd, in the game. Yeah, I think be, they uh, probably wanted some. Kyle Smith can at least get forward and put a decent cross in. I think they wanted that out of him. Mm. What it was was um, the way they were attacking down the down the right hand side. They were um, kind of um, underlapping quite a bit, and they were trying to turn Miller onto his bad foot. So they stuck Carl Smith over on that left side, uh, predominantly right footed, so he could um, he could nullify that threat that Chicago was sending down there. Hmm. That's that was the tactical reason. I saw that actually listed as a reason. Um, I kind of noticed it as well. Like it's it's like a lot of teams were going to target Miller. So I was actually surprised that he started, but um, but nonetheless, that was the reason they made the change. It wasn't anything particular to do with how he played. It's just that it was tactical, I guess. And okay, 
Yeah. Well, that makes me feel a little bit better because turns you know, out some... that Oscar Pereja has a detailed understanding of tactics. Who knew? <sighs> Imagine yeah. that. No, but um, would you say it worked, Dan- uh, Daniel? Would you say that the move worked yeah. on the left side in the second half? I don't know. I mean, it, maybe it did a little bit, but I think, I think we got to give um, you got to give a lot of credit to Chicago. I'm shocked at their position in that league because they. That's played, what I was saying. Uh, they. they played, the, yeah, they they had no fear. Like they, they look like they're they're getting into a rhythm of their own. That you know, into into trying to find a new identity that they're trying to cultivate. And to be quite honest with you, um, we got back to Miller's Miller's block, uh, Berich's shot, but. I feel if Berich had hit that first time, he took two touches. If um, if he'd have took that shot the first time, uh, it's on target and, you know, it's maybe a 70% chance of a goal. Um, they were very clinical, I thought, or, or close to clinical, um, as well as very unlucky. But, um, you know, the, to try and stop them, they had threats all over the field. They had them on the left, the right, and, and up the middle. It was a very tough game. I actually would, would even say it's, Probably the toughest game Orlando's had since um, since the restart, if you ask me, since the analysis back was was concluded. Uh, I felt I never felt they had control of this game, and that change did help a little, but not not a great deal. Yeah, I I was kind of banging this drum before the game that Chicago are a good team whose the results just haven't gone their way. Their mm-hmm. finishing just hasn't been that good. I believe. The second game of the season back in March, I want to say they played New England. And it was another game similar to this where they had chance after chance after chance and they just couldn't get it in the back of the net. And I mean, I think they had like 10 or 12 shots on target and a bunch of big chances. And like in this game, they had six big chances, yet only forced two saves out of Galese, not counting the goal. So it's the thing is, is that while I do actually agree with Adam's point that um, Orlando made their own luck and they deserved the victory. Um, I'll certainly agree with that. But I will say that Chicago were not really broken by Orlando. Chicago were broken by the referees. <laughs> they, were, they were mentally shattered, I think, after after that last goal was disallowed. Um, you could see it just took the wind out of themselves, you know? It was... I wanted to get wanted to get uh, your guys' thoughts on that um, later on, but let's talk about it now. The, you really think it had a mental impact on Absolutely. them? Absolutely, one hundred percent. Because they they did everything to to try and win that game. They did everything to take the lead. You know, and and an honest person would say that, you know, that they should have probably been ahead at some point in that game. And um, we're looking at a completely different dynamic. You know, we can. I think the handball was very, very harsh for the disallowed goal. Um, well, that's, really? just, that's just the rule. And it's the rule, but the rule we were just touching on this before. But did the rule apply to Warren against Philadelphia in Yamalas's back cup? Because I remember a lot of people dying on a hill when Rowan blatantly handballed in that game and saying that it doesn't count. It's not the rule. I mean, it's either the rule or it's not. I remember we talked about it at Uh-oh, the time the, as well. It is the rule. So, you know, we get away with it. We get lucky. You know, it's it's one of those things that. Knowing the climate of, of some of some you know some people, it, you know the minute that it goes against us, you can see the whole pro conspiracy theories coming up. But I'll tell you, no, I think it was very harsh. You uh, see, so, I'm on the opposite, not opposite, because I do see it as harsh. But mm-hmm. I, you see his arm as the ball's getting away from him, and his arm kind of makes contact, and it keeps mm-hmm. the ball close enough 
to where it impacts whether that goal happens or not, in maybe my so. opinion. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, it's it's one of those that can definitely You have to watch it in slow way. motion. Yeah, yeah I, it could have gone either way. And I wouldn't have had a complaint if it had been given, because for me, it's like the ball's coming in, you got a split second to to maneuver yourself and get into position. I, I feel like that common sense is, is slowly being taken out of decisions like that. And they were very, they have a right to be very, very aggrieved at some of those decisions. And, you know, they, they, they did everything they could. And I think that, you know, these decisions going against them just mentally broke them. And Orlando did what good teams should do and killed the game off, got a couple of goals and, and made it into a very good result. Adam, did you quickly want to get your take on the handball yeah. before we finally? Well, uh... I think the handball was pretty clear in that it's the rule and it, as long as the rule's in place, it's the referee's job to enforce it. And so you can't really cry too much about that. Um, even if everything had gone Chicago's way, like they they made that first penalty that Galicia saved and they got those two goals, I know that last goal probably wasn't happen, but it's a totally get different game. But then it's still four four, it's still a draw. As with everything, I I know the game I know. changes I know. so much. I know, but I hate like when that, people say that shit. My larger point is they didn't have the full control of the game either. It wasn't like they were going to win. It was and definitely an attacking back and forth open game. Yes, both it teams kind of. It wasn't like Chicago was robbed of a win or anything. Like Orlando City was definitely up to it, and we were up two nil at one point. And so it's it, it. I mean, for much of the game, even we're up two nil. So it's not. I don't necessarily buy I'm the refs were just doing their job. I didn't see any bad calls. I mean, I think the worst call was honestly um, the penalty they gave against Mueller and you could, I mean, I see why they gave it, but I think it was soft. So I, yes, they were the, 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 the Chicago team was probably disappointed by those things happening. Uh, And yes, it, 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 breaks morale when it happens to you on the pitch but to say they were hard done by the refs i think is inaccurate because the refs were just doing their job and i don't think the refs made any inaccurate calls i don't like that soundbite adam i want i want a recording from gavin of that soundbite the refs were just doing their job next time the next Orlando pro conspiracy breaks out just so we can <laughs> replay it because you know we, we've had a lot of victimization here in Orlando when it comes to the refs I, you know i, I mean own, i'll take the luck I, this game uh, yeah, I, for sure. I own a ref belongs on OB t-shirt and eat even I uh, no I don't that's an awesome shirt <laughs> but even I even I can one, admit get one of them striking referee shirts you know that uh, fuck no <laughs> <laughs> the fucking Juventus fans that's why Juventus is uh, that's why I'm Juventus uh, owns Serie A is because the referees just think that it's them so they give them all the calls <laughs> hot takes with adam yeah, it could be a nice um, county fan as well That's yeah right like there you go no i hate it i hate those shirts um i think they're stupid worth something fucking else uh anyway no even i think i think that the and i'm gonna commit orlando city supporter blasphemy right now oh, i boy. think that uh and yes, we've had some run-ins with Bro in the past. And yes, Ted Uncle is awful and rightfully banned from Orlando. I love that Ted Uncle's banned from Orlando games. That being said, we mostly ran afoul of Pro for the past five years because we were shit. 
bad teams don't get luck from the refs because they don't make it. They don't put themselves yeah. in situations where they're going to get the good calls. We're just bad. Yeah. The one thing I'll say, Don't like, bit. I'll give this but to both teams on the night. Um, neither team had control of the game. We, we, I think we all unanimously agree on that. Mm-hmm. Orlando had the killer instinct, which I like to see at the end. Chicago, you can't fault them for desire at all. They did everything they possibly could. And Orlando, for as much as disjointed as, as their play was, they yeah, they ran their bollocks off as well. They They put everything in. To keep themselves in a position to to capitalize, so you know, I do think um, I do think yeah. Orlando had the better chances in the run of play. You're probably right. Uh, we looked vulnerable the, in you know in the same ways as well. The ones I can think of is where they gave us the ball to DK. That in terms of chances that we didn't score, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the Chris Mueller dribbles around the goalie, loses his footing. Um, Nani had two one Nani time. had a in. couple. Uh, DK had a blocked Juan. shot. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, had yes. a good chance. Yes, there the were, we probably had the better on the run of play, but we gave them two penalties. Um, they scored off of a set piece, which was, in my opinion, very luckily called offsides. I mean, we'll get into all that. Let's kind of rewind here. Um, and Chase, <laughs> I'll go to you since you've been kind of out. Let's talk about the very first goal. I mean, how far are we into the pod? 17 minutes now, and we're talking about the first goal. Um <laughs> I just want to get your thoughts on it. Uh, what were what was the the big thing that you saw out of the first goal that we scored? Well, the build-up was decent, and Junior putting the ball out to Chris, uh, which he didn't get credited for the assist, which you know I think is a little bit of a of an interesting choice. But you know, Chris Mueller coming in, coming in on his uh, his left foot, taking like two defenders with him, like like doing a lot to kind of create a chance for himself, and, and something that I was impressed here, like. We've often kind of criticized his uh, decision making. Obviously, not in his recent form, but uh, you know, sometimes maybe he would have tried to cut back on his right or took another touch to try to kind of get more towards the face of goal. And and, and the shot itself, you could argue that it was a little bit lucky, which you know is kind of a, a theme of this podcast thus far because you know it was a deflection and it just kind of pirouetted into the net, but. You know, he he created that opportunity for himself, and then he he put an effort on goal. And I mean, that's that's kind of why people would always just ask him to shoot if he has a window of opportunity, because you never really know what's going to happen. You could get a deflection; it could just somehow find its way into the net. And uh, it, yeah, that's what he did. And and you know, Chris Mueller is a player that we've always thought of as a, as a technically sound player, but it's nice to see him. Uh, it's nice to see him gain that end product, which he hasn't really had that much in his career. And um, he's uh, he's becoming more of a complete player now. Like we don't really talk about him as as this young player anymore because he's really not. Like he's he's 24 in a couple of years. He'll be entering his prime, and he, he looks to be set and ready to either be you know like you guys said an MLS 11 caliber player or uh, earning a trip to or a move to Europe and, and kind of garnering some starts for the U.S. men's national team. So. He's looking like a very exciting player that's added some, uh, you know, good aspects to his game. It's nice to kind of see that tangible product. And, and you know, like I said, he kind of made his own luck here. Yeah, uh, I think that's the uh, number one thing I wanted to highlight. Uh, he made his own luck. You know, he he put his head down. He beat a couple of players. He, t- he shot the ball. It deflected, you know. 
every time you shoot, even if you're shooting with a defender in front of you, in front of you, it can it can block out for a corner, and you can score off the corner. It could deflect into the net. I mean, it could deflect into a one of your players' path. Like one thing that's always been an issue with us with Chris Mueller is he would always hold off on the shot and wait for that perfect opportunity. And it's nice to see him not doing that anymore. You know, at, at least what he showed in this instance in this game is put his head down, dribble past a player, had a couple players in front of him, took the shot anyway, it bounces in. You know, we're up 1-0 early on in the match uh, and, and then early on in the crazy match. But another thing I wanted to highlight is just the goal itself. So it comes from their goal kick. And this happened actually again in uh, or earlier on in the season, I believe against Miami. But it comes from their goal kick. Uh, Kamal Miller heads it forward. And then... I believe DK has a very, very, very good bit of holdup play, which is going to go unnoticed because it's it's not in the highlight reel. So when you watch uh, on YouTube the highlights, they don't show this part. But goal kick, Kamal Miller heads it. DK, amazing bit of holdup play. The ball gets passed around. Nani cuts in on the inside after I think Pereira finds him. And another part of this play that I like is Urso moves forward, gets in between the lines, gets in between the defenders and the midfielders. Nobody's there to pick him up. It's a very dangerous position to be in. And Urso gets it. Uh, he finds Mueller. Who, Mueller does the rest. Uh, Mueller takes on the players and then makes his own luck. And just everything about that goal, just that's just that's just tactics. Urso being moving up in between the lines, we don't see that under James O'Connor. We just don't. Mueller, you know, making the run. Maybe, yeah, we see that. But just... But just little things like that, uh, the DK holdup mm. play, I just I just love every bit of that. I think it's a it's an underrated goal, this goal. Yeah, DK also as well kind of made a nice little run in between the center backs and kind of gave them something to think about, I guess. And, you know, that gave Chris some space to work with. And then, you know, you know, the end product. And yeah, there was just some, some good moving parts in this goal. A lot of good, you know, tactical observations, especially from young players, because, you know, we've always talked about how Oscar is the manager in this league probably for youth success. And, you know, we're kind of starting to see that, not necessarily just with, you know, goals, but it, it's it's things like this, like Daryl DK, like you said, the hold-up play, making a run into space where he might not be getting the ball, but he is going to impact play. Like, it's it's these small things that, you know, turns a just a decent team into, you know, a very good team as we are right now. Yeah, uh, Daniel, moving over to you. Galese has shown it's it's been a theme now throughout the season. His handling is not the best, especially near the ground. Uh, I just want to get your thoughts on how big of a problem that is. Obviously, we haven't really been punished by it yet, but we've had a couple close calls, especially this game. Aliseta, uh, Aliseta hitting the post after Galese spills a ball that he probably should have caught. Well, Daniel is not available, so Adam, you answer that question. It's a little worrying, you know, that Glace, for all of his talents, can't seem to catch the ball with uh, the regular the frequency that you would expect him to, uh, and and it's definitely created some second chances for for teams in the past, as it did here. Uh, it's not. I mean, he's still a top-notch shot stopper, and his distribution is good. So I would say it's not like a huge worry, but it's definitely, I think, a reason that we're giving up more goals than we think we should. Um, you think that plays into it? I think that does, because you know, it, 
I mean, I'm I haven't gone back and looked at every single uh, yeah. fumble that he's had and seen if it ruled in a goal or not. It absolutely could have uh, today. It, it absolutely could have against Chicago. Um, it's it is a problem. I mean, you, we've seen especially Tesha Akindeli, um is great at poaching those those spilled balls when he's in the game. Uh, we've seen it happen time and time again in every single league around the world and every style of soccer. If you spill the ball as a goal, you're spilling it, especially back into play, in a dangerous area automatically. It is something he needs to clean up, absolutely. And uh, I, I think it's... And we've called him world-class on this podcast. In light of his handling issues, I might take back that statement a little bit because in order to be world-class, you need to be top-notch in every aspect of your game. Yeah, I think if, it's fair to say he's yeah. a world-class shot Shot stopper, absolutely. And his and his distribution is also very good. Yeah, I have yeah. no problems with his distribution. If he's going to... And I think that's probably the reason that we didn't realize before he came here that he's not playing in the Premier League or something like that or the Bundesliga because uh, especially there with the with the the intelligence and positioning that the players in those top leagues have uh, if you if you're consistently spilling shots into the box you're going to get punished for it that's probably why he's not that's probably why he's playing in MLS I mean he was in in um Liga MX which is also a very good league um it's a shame that his team had to go under right and we had to get him on a free transfer oh. Man, I hate what a it. shame. Yeah. So uh, do you see yeah, that's that, a big I think problem, that's what, a little problem? I think it's a medium-sized problem. I don't think it's insurmountable, is is if that's what you're asking. Um, it's definitely something you can train for. Uh, I mean, you see NFL receivers training on the jugs machine just to, to train their hands to catch more. I think that's something. He, is there a soccer jugs machine? Uh, I think so, yes. Yeah, probably. There's got to be, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he... If he spends a half hour on that after every practice, I think that just training to catch more. Because he uh, tries to catch. It's not like he yeah, punches out on purpose. Not like he's he punched. is trying to catch it, and he just misses. I think he's just got a little case of the butterfingers, which is something that you can fix. So. All right. Um, Daniel, are you back? Looks like it for now. Working off my surface, and it seems like my keyboard and hence mouse just somehow disconnected from the rest of the computer very <laughs> so very strange yeah it's, it's it happened last week when i was on zoom so i don't know strange hmm. all right yeah. well i want to get your thoughts on the second goal uh do you remember it i know there's a lot of goals and a lot of stuff to think of i remember the the end of it i remember the the fantastic cross and the nanny header yeah um yeah it was yeah it was a little bit um against the run of play at the time but it was um Obviously, very, very good technical, technically good goal, and it's just, um, you know, it's, it's it's just testament again to the improvement in the players that they're not only able to to get on the break and, and put in a nice cross and a header like that, but it's, you know, it's Mueller again, just uh, being a jack of all trades, um, getting in the box, cutting in, getting on the flank, and getting the ball across, and then uh, Nani's just benefiting, I think, from. You know, players, opposition players, giving somebody else so much attention. You know, if you notice, uh, all our attacking players are getting a lot more space right now because nobody knows now who to who to double up on, who to mark. And last season, they can't double only, up on anybody. Well, you can't. You double up on Nani, then you're going to give Pereira more space. You double up on him, then Nani or Mueller get it, and then you've got DK who takes up two guys on his own. So I just think like it was just it was just a great goal and. Um, 
I think I probably liked that one the most, um, just because it was like something from the training ground. It's just like something that, you know, these guys obviously are, are working on their technical ability and it just really pleases me because I, I felt last season, I don't think our players practiced. It seemed like, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so one thing you said in there that I think is a great shot from you is that our players are having enough space because there's nobody they can double up because early on this season, I remember talking about the issue of, you know, the best teams in the league always had that, that the three danger men. So you look at Seattle, they have Ladero, Morris, Rui Diaz, uh, uh, Atlanta's best season is Martinez, Amiron, um, uh, who was it with them? Assad, Assad, uh, and Vialba. Yeah, Vialba. So like, there are danger men there that, that you cannot watch. And I remember looking around the team, uh, first couple of games in, and you know, I was happy that Mueller, uh, was inserting himself into that equation. And then you know there were question marks over Pereira. Uh, we knew his quality, but was he going to make the step up that he has made? That the step up that he has made. Uh, we weren't sure at that time. So really, we were looking at. Nani and Mueller and hopefully mm-hmm. Pereira. And now, you know, because we didn't rate Akindele or Dwyer to be that kind of danger man. And now what Adam said on the phase one podcast about D- DK's gravity, um, DK, um, people, you know, have to mark DK just, he's a big body and he's very good at hold up play and he's a dangerous player with the flick ons and stuff. Okay. Then you have Nani world-class all-star Pereira, uh, can create something out of nothing, and Mueller, who is going absolutely bonkers right now with the goals and assists. I mean, we have a four-pronged attack that is creating space for each other just because they are all making a bunch of output, and I think that is a great shot from you, Daniel. I, I love that. Yeah, I usually, you know, once every now and then, I, I will come up with something great. Yeah, uh, this is why we keep you around. <laughs> But look, if I can do this once a season, like Dwyer does, then yeah, absolutely. Give me that. That was just a kidding. low blow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, just I to bring the you injured can, man in out of nowhere. You can scratch that one. I'm just joking with you guys. Um, that, do I, not scratch that. That was good. Oh, I, I, yeah, that was, that was great. I'm not scratching that at all. Um, let's move on. First disallowed goal uh, was the offside. Yes, 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 yes. Um, Chase, I think you're the one who got the best view of it along with me. Do you think the offsides call is correct? I mean, <laughs> it's it's fine. Why? I, I almost kind of thought that maybe they were calling offside a different player. I can't even remember who it was, but a different player that, you know, Calvo kind of got in the end of it, but the other player was kind of slightly involved in the play, but I don't know. It, it, it was, it was very fine margins and, and, you know, a, any kind of angle that I've gotten to see on social media, it, it looks the same too. So, so it's not Calvo. Calvo's not the offsides player, the one who scores. Yeah. It's the it's one who gets the in the way of DK, I believe he's okay. in the area. He DK and him kind of like hold on to each other. So like, I think it's Pineda, the other center back. I think mm. you're right. And if I remember correctly, they both are like holding each other. They both have their hands on each other. And DK's trying kind of running in that area. For me, when I was first watching it, I did not think it was offsides personally. But 
he does interfere. I don't, I don't, what, what, no, you said you didn't get a good look of it. So Daniel, what, what, what was your, um, thoughts on the, the disallowed there? Would you say that's harsh? Cause for mm-hmm. me that out of the two, I think the handball was less harsh than this one. I could agree with you. I mean, I felt both were harsh, but, um, one thing I've always been, I've always been at the school of thought and, it, and it's been seen in, you know, in previous years of watching the game that you usually get the benefit of the doubt to the attacker, you know, um, when it comes to inches or centimeters, I mean, you almost certainly the attacker gets the benefit, and I and I feel I, feel I mean these should. are defenders, to be fair. Yeah, but in this in this con- <laughs> yeah I know, in I know, this I know. context, they're the That's... attacking I'm fucking smart ass. Shut up. <laughs> right, just because well, you live in Tampa now doesn't mean I can't come over and kick your ass. So shut up. <laughs> well, the way the way it works now, so yes, Daniel, like in the past when we didn't have VR and everything, mm-hmm. uh, and we didn't have the the advantage of this the cameras that just yeah. like the high speed cameras and the software that we have now. Yes. It was always been the attacker. Mm-hmm. Now it's, you keep the flag down almost no matter what, and you go to VAR and, and on VAR is where they'll make the definitive decision. Oh yeah. And your linesman. That's stands a, there. Well, yeah. that's the thing. Like your linesman, our lines lady, depending on who it is. Yeah, I know we've got some fine female referees and, and such now, but, um, you know, linesman for purpose of discussion, they just stand there now when VAR comes out and they do that like John Travolta meme where he's just stood there with his jacket in his hand, like shrugging his shoulders, looking around. Like, what am I here for? Like, well, they're supposed to. That's what they're instructed to do because basically it, it's kind of turned into the NFL where VAR yeah. is supposed to referee the decision rather, rather than VAR mm-hmm. being introduced for clear and obvious errors which I think is interesting because that was the whole premise of VAR in the first place. Clear. clear and obvious errors. It's but now it's it. refereeing the game. But that's the thing. Like my my issue with with VAR and these types of decisions right now. I mean, things like handballs and and fouls, slide tackles in the box. Those types of things. I think you can look at and determine. You know, was there an error? Yes or no? The thing with some of these offsides is that some of the camera angles they use, they're always a little bit behind the ball, like uh, behind the line, so to speak, or in front of the line. So you never get like a full side on view. To determine just how how much offside this person is, and it can skewer the the angle, and as such can can lead to a decision that might not be correct. So I feel like with those decisions, they kind of need to stop calling on those until you have the technology in place to um you know to be able to maybe pause a play and then get to a rendition of the field, a three D one where you can maybe go look at the line a lot more closely. And I saw it in the I watched the Premier League last. Last week there was um, there was like three or four disallowed goals in the Leeds Liverpool game, mm-hmm. and it was a crazy game. But anyway, they um, they used this uh, technology where they paused, that they did like a freeze frame of the game, and then they and then they zoomed in, and it was like a three D you know rendering of of the angle, and then yeah, you can perfectly see where the where the call came from. Yeah, feel and like they did that last season as well. Yeah, so I haven't watched a lot of Premier League, so that was kind of something new for me and I, I appreciate mm-hmm. it because yeah you can be angry and, and throwing stuff at the TV but then your TV's broken and you realise that the player was, was a yard offside you know um, and I felt like these types of calls where they're so marginal like, it, this is the kind of thing that will will inevitably go against Orlando at some point this season I think it kind of did with, with Vakindeli if I remember rightly I think in this instance though yeah. we it's not the fact that is he offsides or is he not mm-hmm. offsides? It's 
how much did he interfere with the play because he is definitely right. offsides? Well, that's the thing. Like, it's just one of those things. I don't feel like they have enough information to make a 100% determination on it. So I think again, it should have stood. I, I agree. The goal should have stood. because I'm happy it didn't, but um, I think it should. Oh, yeah, but we're, we're objective. We're not going to be uh, biased like, uh, like some of those other shows that we know about. We're going to be uh, objective and fair, and I think that, yeah, that goal probably should have stood. And I always say to anybody when they challenge me, is that, okay, look, we've lost the role. How would you feel? What do you think it should be said? Do you think it should have stood or, or not? And they're always going to say, well, well, yeah, it should have stood because it's us, but the way around the rules still applies, I think. Yeah, I, th- it, I think that's right. You know what I kind of respect, though? So when you ask that question, I kind of respect when someone says, no, fuck you. It should stand if it's Orlando City. It should not stand if someone else. Yeah, and that's, and that's <laughs> I kind of respect that. Hey, and, and that's when you take your sound bites. That's when you bookmark your tweet. And that's when you bring it back, back later. You pull it out of your pocket. You know, like a man pulling his uh, dollar bills out. He licks his little finger, twists through him, and says, okay, this is what you said back you, then. You lick your finger after you touch money? No, because I don't, I don't carry money, but I'm just using the... the, oh, the, the that'd uh, be gross. Money's fucking gross. A pandemic a, do you lick your finger when you whip something else off? <laughs> what was oh that, Kevin? <laughs> well, you gotta lubricate the, lubricate the finger or something, you know? Yeah, but that's... You know, if you, you, know, you get a banana. <laughs> <laughs> banana? That's a little soft. Anyways, um, are we all in agreement that it should have been... It should have stood as a goal? Do we have any... Uh, Anybody here that says no to that? Uh, I can't make yeah, a decision because I, I didn't see it uh, in, okay. in a good angle, but so I will defer a, to yeah, you guys. I will abstain. Non-yes, non-no. Non-no. All right. Um, Chase, your turn. Galese's penalty save. Uh, any any thoughts on that or just brilliant save? Yeah, I mean, the situation with the kind of the argument between Majan and Beric was, was fairly <laughs> amusing, but... <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like when something like that happens, there's like almost no chance that he's going to put that away. I'm not going to lie to you. Like it, it's it, it was funny to watch because I mean, I was, you know, I was sitting on that side of the field. I was literally like 10 feet away from a drawing when he picked up the ball uh, kind of by the corner flag and then he walked to the penalty spot. You could almost tell that like no matter what, no matter who the designated ke- uh, penalty kick taker is like this is his, like, he's just claiming it. And then, you know, the argument ensued, and, and it was a good save by Galece. I always think kind of with penalties, you you have to go to either, you know, top corner or or, or bottom, as kind of Barrett did with him. Like, like it, it was a really good save. Like, I'm not trying to take any merit from It Galece. is at a good height for him. That's, yeah, that was my thoughts on it. That's the height that a penalty, or a goalkeeper, rather, kind of would prefer you to put it at, I guess, if you know, you're going to put it into to the side net because that's kind of in path with his dive, if that makes sense. Like, you know, I'm not necessarily a goalkeeper or a goalkeeping coach, so it's kind of hard to talk about that or, or speak to what their preferences are. But it seems like if you kind of put it like midway up the goal, that's almost an easier height than when it's on the floor because it doesn't necessarily take as strong of wrists or, you know, as nimble of movement to get to the top, uh, to the upper corner. So, uh, I mean, it, it was still like a really good save, and, and he still did well to kind of get it clear. But it, it was, you know, that's that's just maybe like kind of like the prime spot if they're going to put it side net for a goalkeeper, I guess. All right, uh, that sums it up well. Uh, okay, into the second half finally, um, and what do you know? 
there's another slow start. We we've talked about on this podcast why we think slow starts are happening. Something with the the team talk, or maybe being a little arrogant after a good first half. Or, so we've talked about why, Adam. I want to know your thoughts on how we can stop it from happening because we give away a penalty a minute into the second half. We give away another goal a minute into the second half. This is a this is happening every single game now, and it's very, very, very fucking frustrating. So, how do we stop? What is happening from happening? Fuck if I know. <laughs> well, come on. That's shitty uh, podcast content. Let's go. I think it's great podcast content. Um, I think it needs to bite us in the ass, maybe. It, it is. It has. I, it has, but like in Nashville a big Nashville won one. Okay, but that's not a loss. Felt like a loss. It felt like a loss, but it's not a loss. It needs to bite us in the ass in a big way. Like, maybe like two goals in, in like the first 10 of, minutes. Uh, there's a lot like. of talk about asses and stuff today. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's what it is. What? How, how do you, as a coach... Yes, I'm the coach of Orlando City. Yes, yes. Hypothetically, how do you, as a coach, stop this from happening? Um, I think it's about mentality. and And that's... That feels strange saying about an Oscar Preyot team, especially since I praised the mentality of the team earlier in this episode. I think it's it's about what you preach every day, and maybe he hasn't gotten to this yet. Maybe he's... Because I think what was... I, I'm kind of formulating an idea as I talk. Uh, I've never done this before. Uh, you know. Uh, I do it all the time. <laughs> oh, so do I. In the past few years, we've seen a very weak mentality for this team, and there was a lack of belief in themselves. I think that Pereja is trying to fix that, and we uh, we saw it at the beginning of the season. I think in one of those uh, one of those video features that the Orlando City media team did, uh, where Pereja was giving uh, a speech to the team before the season. He says, "You've done the work. Uh, I believe in you." You need to believe in yourselves, and, and you you need to go and and win this game because you deserve it. And he's he's almost, and he says you deserve it because you've done the work, not because you know you show up and you get it. But I think he needs to, he's trying to instill almost an a confidence bordering on arrogance into this team. Because I will say, Tesho has a quote that says. We are confident, but we are not arrogant. Like Tesho has said that. Bordering a, on. Bordering yes, on arrogance. Yes. And, and I think that's part of the problem with that slow start is because they believe in themselves, not to a fault, but almost to that fault line. And so when they come out, they think, and they're right most of the time, if, if they play their game, then they'll be all right. And that does work most of the time. Where it catches you in the second half is when you have a good first half, and you come out, and the other team has made adjustments, and you haven't. And and maybe Pereja has made some tactical adjustments, but your mentality hasn't adjusted. You don't expect, because you just kicked their asses for 45 minutes, you don't expect them to come out and immediately start kicking yours. I think that they just haven't adjusted to that yet, because how often have teams adjusted to Orlando City? You know? If mm-hmm. if if we're down 2-0 at the half, what the fuck are they adjusting for? <laughs> And so they're not used to... Remember, we've been good for a half a season, guys. 
yeah. half of a shortened season. We need so, it, we need to get used to to being good. We need to be get used. To, I think this is getting used to being good. When you're good, teams will ha- will make more mid game adjustments to you, and and I think that Pareja, this is the next step in the development of his team's mentality. In that he, okay, great guys, we're confident in our play style. We know how to execute it. We know how to adjust our play style to take advantage of what teams are giving us. Now we need to stop theirs. Because you'll notice that unless a team tries to press us, which we're good at playing out the press, we do allow teams to kind of play their own game a little bit. Uh, we haven't been that good at suffocating them and stopping them from playing. And let, um, the only two instances that I can think of that we've really been reliably stopping other teams is if they're trying to press and if they're trying to do quick counters. Because we're decent at dealing with both of those. Um but a team like Portland, where they're going to want to play antagonistic soccer, and they're going to want to do that that little midfield press that they like to do, and they're going to try to do, like, not necessarily quick counter. I mean, they will do quick counters to kind of time, but very technical counters and in that we play right in the hands of. We still have tr- trouble with those teams because we don't know how to how to negate the other team's play and particularly their adjustments. So I think very smart teams like Portland still give us trouble. Um, and like Chicago, like we've seen Chicago is better than their record indicates and their, their coach is better than their record indicates. Um, so how do I fix it? It's a, it's a next step in the, I, I, I think Preha is thinking about this right now. It's, it's the next step in his development plan for the team. And you just gotta get used to being good. You gotta get used to playing with this mentality. Yeah. And this happens so many times now where I think all Preha has to do is, you know, right as they're going back out, just give them a gentle reminder. Hey, you know, it's 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 happened a couple times now. We've let up a goal. We've let up some really good chances early on in the second half. Don't let that happen. Even if, you know, we're playing safe for these first five minutes, we're not really attacking that much. Ease into the half, just like we ease into first halves. Uh, just don't let it happen again. Um, I don't, Dan- I don't, sorry, Rufus, I don't necessarily think it's like gentle though. Like, uh, you know, far for me to like criticize Oscar, obviously, but I think, uh, you know, the best coaches, like you'll hear this a lot of times, like kind of when you talk about Sir, or when people talk about Sir Alex Ferguson and things like that, like even if we're playing well and we're ahead, like he still probably shouldn't act satisfied. And I'm sure that he doesn't. But, but I think, like you said, like I was going to say, like it has to be addressed because it is becoming kind of a, a severe issue. And it has to be something that I think maybe he should just kind of demand out of the players. Like, like, I think it's it's really, to me personally, like, it's just kind of simple as that. Like, it, it's it's a prevalent issue, and, and regardless of how we're playing in the game, like, it, he should still, you know, address the team. And, Maybe and set it as a, a challenge, like, hey, five minutes, ten minutes into the second half, I don't want any big chances created. Yeah, I, that's, yeah, definitely. I mean, something like that, but it, it's it just has to be addressed, and it has to be you know, like, like something along the lines of like, like this cannot happen. Like if we, if we kind of lose the game within 10 minutes, like, you know, some managers will talk about like even making substitutions and things like that. And, you know, it's just kind of something like that. And it, it's hard for us to kind of speculate about because we're not in the locker room, but you know, it's an, it's an issue that for whatever reason has just persisted. So, you know, just kind of address the situation as a whole and, and demand it out of the players, I guess. 
All right, I think that's I think that's fair as well. Uh, I was more leaning on the the be nice side, but I think demanding it could <laughs> work. I definitely think that could. Yeah. Uh, Daniel, for you, is it a penalty? Yes or no for the second penalty early on in the second half? Uh, yeah, I would say so. It's uh, probably out of all the incidents, it's, it's certainly the most clear. You know, it's actually, uh, I'm loading up the video again because I just can't quite remember the full pattern. I remember thinking it's definitely a. Uh, Chris Mueller, really, he kind of gave him a little tap on the heels. Yeah, yeah he, he clips his heels. Yeah, he does it. He clips him a little bit. I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's kind of, I just watched it again, and he's, he's behind the player, so that's never a good position to be in. And then you've got, he's kind of just watching watching the ball. He doesn't quite watch where he's running, you know? So, yeah, I mean, it's apparently, I mean, it's just two shouts there. He's either clipped him behind, but he's got his hands on him as well. So you've got, you know, it's clear. It's very clear. I mean, you see those given pretty frequently, and I don't think you know, should really have any complaints. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a penalty. Adam, I heard you say earlier that you thought this was an iffy penalty call. Do you want to explain that stance? I, I, no, I understand why it's given. I just think it's a little soft. I've seen it not given before, and mm-hmm. I guess the way the refs were calling the game, they were kind of calling everything, so... If you're going to call everything, you call that. But I think in a game where they're letting them play, that could have been not called. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. But uh, definitely in this game, 100% a penalty for me. Uh, we've already talked about the second disallowed goal. Uh, I agreed with the handball. Um, our third goal, just a scrappy set piece. Not much to really talk about unless you guys have any thoughts on it. Uh, Andre Spurrier with the scorpion kick. That was really? Hold yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. He might. No, he saves it from going out of the box. Yeah. Really? I think this is an example of what you guys are talking about with like making your own luck. Like just these kind of scrambles, like, you know, us popping out of a goal is, is just kind of, it, it shows that we are, you know, a decent side and, and, and things like this will go our way more often than not. Now. Yo. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That. Scorpion. So the ball's about to be cleared and he catches it with a scorpion kick. And then Carlos awesome. tries and hits it. Yeah, and then it pops to well, Russell and he slots it in. Yeah, just wow. a little flick up there of his, his foot, his right foot. It's a good but finish a from Urso too. It's a great finish. That's a mm-hmm. it's a poacher's finish. You know, like um that's the type of finish that you you strike as you Urso brought his shooting boots. Yeah, it is it's just like he just turns and hits it. I mean, that's that's all you can ask for, you know. Uh yeah, I mean I'm glad y'all picked up the Andres Perea thing because I did not. Um, and then the fourth goal, is there anything to talk about that? I mean, Benji, Benji has a hard shot. His shooting boots. <laughs> yes, a hard shot. I think the goalkeeper is very iffy on that play. That should mm-hmm. be a, a save, 100%, in my opinion. I think it got, it got deflected, though. Uh, he also, did he it? also megged his defender. Oh, so he didn't have a good side on it? Yeah. Like the goalkeeper didn't have a good side on it? Yeah, he megged the defender with the shot. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very good finish. But uh, I just want to get your guys' foot. overall thoughts on this. Three goals and four games for Benji. I mean, that's a pretty good start to the to his season. You know, he, he wasn't getting a ton of minutes, but now that he's picking up the minutes, like we saw last season, didn't get a ton of minutes early on. He picks up the, se- pick, picks up the minutes, picks up the goals. Here again, three goals, four matches, and... You know, he's being an, a contributor to our, our uh, goal tally. Would you believe me if I told you that Oscar Preha knows how to get the most out of his youth? 
I think I would, yeah. Really? I think I would. Yeah. I think uh Benji's finding a, a new uh a new uh home and in the Chris Mueller super sub role. He, yeah, he, he comes on, does a job. He's not I gonna say start super sub. Well like he could get there though. He's he's if he's gonna score at this rate as a sub. When when I think of as a super sub, I think of like we are struggling. You bring this guy in to mm-hmm. to uplift your team. I don't see that as Benji right now because there have been moments this season where we've been struggling. We're in a close match. We bring on Benji and nothing really particularly changes. I, Do you think I that's think, fair? Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think we've seen a few times where things have changed when he's come on. I think he's best in that um that second striker role. So I want to see him and DK together a little bit, actually, which I don't think it's going to happen because especially with I, um, Julia Pro reporting that I uh, arrived in Orlando today. Finally. Yeah. Uh, we, we don't know his, uh, what the quarantine procedure or anything is going to be, but um, hopefully he'll be with the team. I think he'll be on the bench and, by the home game, by the next home game. I think at two weeks at most, uh, he'll be training with the team. So, uh, hopefully we'll see IS soon, but I think it's going to be hard for Benji to get a start uh, with IS coming in, even though I'd like to see a partnership between, with him and DK, like kind of like a Thunder and Lightning approach if we're going to play a 4-4-2 um, and, and do some rotation. But I would like to see... Benji, I think, is a good guy to come off the bench and run it because he's very fast, so he can run at tired legs. He's a good outlet if you're winning. He can come on if you're winning or losing. Because if you're winning and you want to just have that outlet for a clear ball, he can do that. You can you can clear the ball and he can chase it down and maybe get a, a cheap counter goal at the other end. If you're losing, I, not much better players to bring on than, than a fast guy who can shoot. So if he can develop a little more and be that guy that uplifts the team in a, in a sub role, then I think that's a, a good home for him because I think there's a tough road for him to start. I hate to say it, but his, uh, his best days might be with another team just – because of the the accumulation of talent we've seen to, to possess overnight. Um, but it, it's good. It's a much better to problem to have an abundance of young talent than to have a Darth of it. Yeah, and guess what? If we do move him on, we can get some good return. You know, some good Gam, Tam, Pam, Sam, Bam, you, uh, Daniel likes to call it. Yeah, uh, we can get a good good couple of those, maybe a uh of the first round draft pick you know any you know stuff like that i mean th- that's always good to bring in you know when when you're moving on a a, a player like that uh, i'm not saying we should necessarily but if he wants to kick start his career start every game in the mls you know get a bunch of goals for a, a different team um unfortunately then you know we need to be d- demanding a high price for him you know uh, one more thing, it's nice to see a, a homegrown player score a goal and then kiss the badge. Oh, That's something we haven't seen before. The it's, narrative. It's, it's quite a sight. The narrative. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. It is As, nice uh, as Eddie likes to say, passion and heart. 100%. Passion and heart. He should start every game because he has passion and heart. No? Uh, oh. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely he should. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's not a good way to pick a team, um, which we will talk about later on our squad building podcast, which we don't have a date for yet, but I really want to do. All right, let's happen sometime nebulously in the future. Yes, let's get into my lion's blog. (laughs) Yes, let's get into line up, lion down. Chase, you get to go first. Line up, lion down. 
Uh, lineup, Junior Urso, I, I think, you know, he's been maybe one of our more consistent performers in, like, these these past couple runs of games where he's been able to play. Uh, you know, this game he was spreading the ball really well, uh, completed a lot of, like, long passes, which isn't something that I kind of would associate with him maybe, you know, off the bat. You know, he popped up with a goal, probably should have been credited with the assist to Chris Mueller, you know, even though Chris still had a lot to do. Uh, you know, it was good to kind of play him on his his uh, in stride and, and, you know, keep the play going. And, and that's something that we've kind of seen thus far. And, you know, Mendes, Mendes had a little bit of a struggling game, but I think that this midfield is probably, you know, our first choice now with, you know, Sebas and Urso and, and Mauricio in there. And, and you know, that's that's due really? to a small part with. Yeah, honestly, I, I would rather Sebas. Because I think we missed Yuri today. I, don't I think know. we I missed mean, Yuri today. Yeah, I mean, Sebas wasn't. At his best this game, as you guys said, but I, I, I think, you know, we've kind of seen this this midfield three previously. And, you know, what you're saying, I don't necessarily think is an unpopular opinion, but I just, I just you know, I'm sure Adam will appreciate this. I just like what Sebas brings, and, and I think that that's his best position. So I'm kind of, you know, more drawn to this midfield than one of, with Yuri Rosal, though I do appreciate what Yuri does in the game. Um, and, and my lying down... Uh, is probably going to be Juan. Um, you know, he gave up the handball. Uh, I felt like, you know, a lot of the attacks, especially in the first half, were coming kind of down his side. And uh, he was maybe caught out a little bit with where Barrett kind of uh, hit the post. And, and there were a couple, like, defensive errors. And he whipped in some decent crosses, but it, it wasn't to the same effect where he can kind of take over a game with his attacking play. So... You know, as we say with this, it's it's not necessarily meaning he he's a poor player. Just this game was slightly questionable to me at times. All right, uh, I think that I think that that's a fair shot for the lion down. Uh, Daniel, your turn. Lion up, lion down. Um, lion up. I think uh, I was trying to not go for the obvious, so I'll give lion up to. To Kamal Miller, I think um, it was it was pretty steady in my opinion. I mean, I understand the reasons why it was substituted, but I don't think his performance was bad. I think he, he looked confident, and you know, we talked about Miller a couple of weeks ago, and the fallout after his performance and everything else. I think it's a good a good thing for a young player to come in, you know, that soon after that criticism. Because let's be honest, you know, these players probably are aware of the criticism they get. In some of the comments, and um, I was happy for him to come in and, and get straight back in the team. Um, I can't remember which player it was. It's happened under a couple of coaches. Um, we saw Cam Lindley for three games, then we never saw him again. Very yeah. frustrating because I thought he had a pretty decent three games. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't terrible by any stretch, but we never saw him again after that. Um, James O'Connor's proverbial doghouse. I mean, that had a few people in it. Acosta. Uh, Acosta. I mean, they cried out for a natural left back a lot of uh, last season and he was whatever he'd done was obviously a lot because we never saw him after June or July I think in the in the cup game against New York was his last game so I mean we even he, had a, a cup game where Dijon played at left back instead of him honestly we could have played Kay Rollins at left back and <laughs> she would have still gotten in ahead of ahead of Acosta and that's no disrespect towards Kay Rollins I'm sure she was She's probably a pretty good fullback in a day, but the point of the matter is, Acosta couldn't have done anything to get in the team. And 
we talked about this, and it's it's showing with with Chris Mueller right now that you've got to sometimes let players make the mistakes, and you've got to keep playing them, and you've got to let them uh, feel their way through it, and you know, and you'll have a good player eventually if you do. And uh, with Kamal, I think that's that's going to be the option with him, you know, because we talked about our centre back issues and such. And I'm not of the opinion Schlegel, the genre of um, good long-term solutions for the club. Um, Miller is is at the right sort of age and, and stage of his career that he can be that a good solid third choice centre back if we if we just continue to give him minutes and keep him involved. So it's credit to the coach for putting him in and also for the player for, to respond very well. So. Let's say Janssen needs a, a, a match out like he did a, mm-hmm. a couple of matches ago. You're telling me you would rather see Kamal Miller in there instead of Schlegel? At this point, I would because I, I remember Miller at centre-back last season. He played a few games. I think actually that he'd made his debut against... Um, in that left centre-back in the three against the NYCFC. Against NYC and he did okay, but then he played the following week in Chicago away. And I actually remember telling my dad at the time, I said, um, I said, you know, he's been the best player on the pitch. You know, for Orlando, he was very, very good. Uh, I just feel like if we're moving towards this youth development scheme, I feel Miller's a, a decent prospect. You know, I, I'd like to see him given minutes in his best position. Um, what I've seen of Schlegel, and this is no disrespect to Chase, as I know it's his doppelganger, but actually Chase is Schlegel, so screw you, Chase. But... Um, <laughs> But Schlegel was just a little bit erratic for me. And I know it pumps up the the fans and it gets the blood going and, and everything else. But, um, but you know, it's going to cost us eventually. Uh, you've got to be careful with uh, kind of like a wild sort of style of play like that. So um, for me, he's, he's, he's maybe the fourth choice now. And I would give Miller the opportunity ahead of him. You see, I like Schlegel not because of his erratic yelling at people. I just I like the fact that where I see that it comes from is I see that it comes from a competitive place. Like oh, it's, I, get it. I don't think he's aggressive. I think that he has a very deep will to win, and I love that. That's what I, I like. I, I like it, but I like it to be measured. I like it to be, you know, channeled in the right direction and. and... You know, there's a few times it's just looked, it's just looked pretty dodgy. The last game, he was unlucky not to be, you know, not to be, not to be sent off. I mean, he got mm-hmm. saved by the VAR, but he, by all intents and purposes, I mean, yes, the second foul he made was was to prevent a goal, but right after the first one, which was a legitimate card. So it's like, for me, you know, you've got to look at the the stability of the back line, and I think. I just feel Schlegel, I just wouldn't trust him right now. And that's not saying I wouldn't buy him but and try and develop him, but if you're asking me, Ryan, who I pick, I'm just going for Miller. All right. Uh, for me, in that instance, really quickly, I, I think it's more of a what else is he supposed to do? You can't just let him score. Um, no, I, I accept that. I, I think I even said that. I think, you know, he, made, he did what he had to do. Yeah. But, but you can do that and not get sent off. He made a stupid challenge a couple of minutes before that. And mm-hmm. you're in that position where you're not only considered a penalty, but you're you're a man down, and it's uh, it's just not sensible, you know. Not not what we're seeing from the rest of the players. We're seeing a lot of composure and a lot of poise from the players we have. 
but then you have something like that it can just make everything go tits up you know yeah that's a fair point um adam your turn okay my line up is huan whoa yes what whoa. yes uh, because I, I didn't want to go with the one of the obvious, like Nani or Mueller, because we all know they had good games. Um, Juan, I think, had a sneaky, really, really good game uh, going forward. I'm about to make my dad really proud of me if he'll listen to this podcast, which he does not because he doesn't care about soccer. Mm, <laughs> <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys offensive line in the 1990s is called the Great Wall of Dallas. That was the nickname. It was one of the best offensive lines ever. Um, Emmett Smith running behind them uh, set the all-time record for uh, rushing yards in the NFL over his career. They had a guy by the name of Nate Newton, and the Cowboys won three Super Bowls off of this game model. They had a guy by the name of Nate Newton who was one nasty big motherfucker. He played offensive guard for them. And uh, I forget which Super Bowl it was, but it was, um, it was one of the, I think it was 93. And uh, the Cowboys were just absolutely crushing the Bills. And their, uh, was it the Bills? I think it was the Bills. It was one of the ones they beat the Bills in. And uh, so the Cowboys are absolutely crushing them. And uh, offensive linemen love to run block because basically they just go forward and they hit you and they push you off the line of scrimmage and the running back runs behind them and they get a few yards. So Nate Newton's this big, nasty motherfucker who loves to talk trash. And he... Um, he starts telling these the opposing defensive linemen, hey, we're going to run this. You know that play we just got eight yards on? We're going to run it again. Emmett Smith's going to run through this gap, and I'm going to block the fuck out of you and clear it for him. <laughs> and then he would do exactly that, and Emmett Smith would get eight yards. And, and he was doing that like the entire second half of that game in a Super Bowl. This is a championship game. When you know you're good at something and no one can stop you, it's it is a new level of dominance. Juan's pace is that. I, I, they, he could have had two assists. Uh, he, he had two. He had uh, a cutback to Nani, who took it first time, and it was just wide a goal. And then actually, he had two cutbacks to Nani. Both of them were to Nani. Both of them he took it first time. Both of them were just wide. And he and they were like good strikes that were. He fun. also had a shot from a terrible, yeah, very close angle. Terrible angle, but it just his pace. He. And his acceleration to I think his acceleration is what what's dangerous because how often are you running in top end speed? I mean the position you're gonna do it from is one of the fullback positions, but I mean how often do you really get in that full sprint? His acceleration is what kills because he can go from that that stop and just standing over the ball to like eighty percent speed and just blow by a defender so quick. And it everyone knows that's his game. There is not a single defender that has watched tape on Huan that's like you know, I wonder how this guy's going to try to beat me. <laughs> Everyone knows he's just going to go fast and he's going to accelerate and he's fucking doing it without any support from the left side. <laughs> Everyone knows that if we're going to play at the back half the time, it's going to be just give the ball to Juan and let him fucking go. And uh, how often have we talked about on this podcast that we want to see multiple players making runs? To, to open up space in the box. How often do you see, even if he's not getting the ball, Juan make that run in the right hand on the, on the right hand channel and, and try to open up the space for like, say Mueller or Pereira is standing there. How often is he, is he just going to blow by them on that right side and either, either get the ball in a dangerous area or just clear space for them. 
He's making runs. He's using his weapon to the best of his ability in a very intelligent manner. And he plays a position where he relies on other players because he's not going to score goals. Right backs don't score goals. Sorry. Mm -hmm. He so he relies on other players to finish his production to make it production. But he's he's putting in several good balls because he's he's looking up on the crosses now. So he's putting in several good balls every week. He's getting into so many dangerous positions. He forces his pace, forces a defender to cover him wherever he is. And he knows that he he has gravity. There's that word again. Gravity. Juan has it, too. You can't leave him uncovered because he'll fucking make you pay. And so he knows he has gravity, so he used it to his advantage. I thought that was the tactical understanding and the mental wherewithal to use his pace in that way was on display in this game. Unfortunately, it didn't end in the the on the box score production, but I thought that just individually doing his job, Huan was excellent, absolutely fantastic. Hmm. Okay, I I mean that's fair. It's just interesting because Chase named Huan as his lying down, right? I I saw it. Is that right? Chase, I did. Okay, I I, yes, I couldn't yeah. remember if I remember. I know you had to plug in your uh your headphones, yeah, but yeah, good. I mean, Adam made good points. I just thought defensively he was a little bit questionable. That that's that's never been his game though. He's never yeah, been the, I think the super like, guy. In like two situations though, like it almost. Like with the penalty and and there mm-hmm. there are a couple of times where like it almost could have directly led to a yeah. goal if you know what I'm saying. And oh, the, I, the penalty for them, the, penalty. the real penalty that they scored comes on his side again and Mueller's mm-hmm. back. Hey, mm-hmm. Okay, but here here's another thing. Because we have no threat on the left side offensively, he always has to be up. Otherwise we just don't have numbers forward. So I think that's a big thing, uh, a big reason that Huan mm-hmm. He's getting caught out a little more since notice he's been caught in, getting caught out more since Moutinho has been out. Yeah. Cause he's, a, he has to expose himself more. That's the trade off there. It's almost not, I mean, obviously he gave up a penalty. That's his fault. It was, I mean, sometimes the ball bounces weird. It kind of bounced into his hand. It was definitely a penalty. I'm not saying it's not a penalty. Mm-hmm. It happens. I'm not going to yeah. knock you too hard for it. I can and, agree with that. It was a little bit just kind of ball to hand almost. Yeah. yeah. I mean, absolutely. The ref was right to give it. Not saying it wasn't a Definitely. penalty, but it, it it happens. But I think that who, we're seeing Juan get caught out more and we're almost unfairly attributing it to him. Well, do you want him to play right wing and like defensive fullback in the same game? Because that's what he's doing. He's tr- He's doing his best. And he's, he's getting, filling up that fifth channel on the, on the yeah the right the he is far getting right side. all Chris the way end the line right channel he's getting all the way end line and then having to track all the way back on defense because he's not he's not getting any I support do think from Kuan should be um best eleven right back this season if he continues this form he's yeah. not going to have the assist numbers to to back it up because that's what everybody looks at but oh my god my goodness. <laughs> Of Daniel just linked a Leeds right back scoring a bunch of goals for the last season Trump. because Adam said that right backs don't score goals. <laughs> look, at, look at that goal. Okay, wait, 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 wait. 
I'll look at it. Daniel, uh, he scored Daniel. A few last season. So if you're if your shining example of a right back scoring goals is four goals in a season. Well, yeah, but it's <laughs> still more. Than... Go look at the goal. I'll do. I'll do it later. I'll do it now. <laughs> oh, Daniel. Uh, we I can you. tell you that all of the videos he sent, they're all. The captions are exclamation marks in all caps, so they must have been quite bangers, man. It was a beautiful goal. And he scored a few, like, proper like, goals. You know, have like, you just been looking up the videos for these goals? <laughs> isn't well, it, been was, talking? it was our last game before COVID. <laughs> no, <it's- laughs> <laughs> God damn. I can get damn, it. Damn, Daniel. All right, I better go. It I just shows get... that there is hope so, out there. That's all. So I think, yes, Chase made good points about him lacking defensively in this game. I think that because he was effectively trying to do two jobs by himself, that he can be forgiven for the lack of defense. And I think that the growth and maturity of his of the the offense in his game is uh, is the reason I have him as my lineup. All right, I'm gonna go through my lineup lying down really quickly because well, we I, are. I, I, okay, I just won't do a lying down. Oh, do your line down, Lundo. I didn't even realize you haven't even done it yet. So go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> what if like, I don't okay. want to now? <laughs> it's been a long part one, okay? I apologize. All right, all right. Well, now I gotta think about. <laughs> I want. I'm I gonna force you to pick either, one person. You're gonna force me to pick one. Yeah. Uh, hmm. One specific one. One specific one. One you might not want to pick. <sighs> You're gonna make me pick Sebas Mendes. Ooh, I'm gonna make you pick Sebas Mendes. Yeah, he just it just wasn't his game, you know. It it happens. It happens. Uh, he wasn't his normal impactful destroyer line breaking self. Are you happy? Yes. Two of seven on tackling, just saying. Yeah, the, I missed... do not okay, I don't want to revel in the fact that he had yeah. a bad game. Hey, he missed tackles, that. he missed he... tackles, he wasn't getting forward like he normally does. Uh, if we're comparing him to his own standard, he absolutely had a bad game. I think that's a fair point. Uh, hopefully yeah. he can pick it up next match because I we do have a full faith in him too. Yes. Full faith in him to pick it up next match. But yeah, it's it's a bad game. Happens to good players. You know, he'll play through it. All right. My line up, Joey Desart came on the field, was very solid, kind of similar to why I picked Andres Perea so many times as my lineup. Um, Andres Perea came in and, and did exactly what he does. Joey Desart, every single time we've seen him, I've liked what I've seen, was very solid. Eight of eight on passing, uh, had an interception defensively, took a shot on goal. Um, just an overall good, impactful display from, from him. And I think when he came on the field, I know Chicago were kind of dead and dusted maybe by, by that time, but also it, we looked very comfortable. The, the match seemed over when he came on, and I was I was just very happy with his display. Um, looking around the team for a lion down, kind of similar to Mendez against his own standards, maybe Pereira just kind of solid game. He was, he was my other consideration. Yeah. Just, just, you know, didn't, you know, dribble through three people, didn't, um, find beautiful through balls, uh, you know, he does pass the ball out to Mueller for the second goal, but I don't know. I just think this was a less impactful game than we've seen from him. And that's OK. Uh, similar to Mendez, it's OK to have a bad game. Just make sure you do it against Chicago and not against SKC. Um, 
that should do it for part one. It was a long ass part one. We don't have a lot of questions in part two, so stick with us. We will be done soon. I know it's going to be a long episode. Uh, we will be right back. We're back for part two where we answer your questions from twitter it was i worked 11 to 7 today and i forgot to put the uh the podcast question post on twitter before i got to work so i apologize about that so not a lot of questions to be answered uh we will start with this one from at tyler dookie um and at tyler dookie says best 11 versus the new or the next two travel games how will we rotate um Adam, I'll start with you on this one. Um, you don't, unless someone's just that tired or injured. Uh, don't don't get too cute, you know? And these are important games because we still have a shot at the Shield. I don't think people realize this, but it's halfway through the season and we're two games out of the Shield. So y'all know how um, we are second in the East? Uh, actually, technically third right now. because oh, Okay, so you night. know how we're third in the East? The top four yeah. teams in the Shield are in the East. Yeah. So that and, means we are third in the Shield. Are we're playing Shield contenders from the West? These are these are important games. I mean, it's not just three points. It's if we're taking the Shield race seriously, these are six pointers here against very good teams. Don't rotate for the sake of rotate. Play Nani. Play Mueller. Play DK. Play Pereira. Play. Some combination of Mendez, Urso, Uri. Play, uh, I mean, Moutinho is not going to be back yet, but play all, play Carlos Janssen, who on. Like, if if someone's injured, like, obviously Moutinho's injured, you can't play an injured player. Other than that, give it your best lineup. And whoever Pereira, uh, whoever Pereira thinks is the best lineup to take on that side, and we know he doesn't rotate for the sake of rotating. He's going to play his strongest lineup. So these are absolutely crucial games that we need to be competitive in. And we need to be looking to win the majority of them. All right. Uh, which one of out, which one out of us? How do I want to say this? Uh, who here watches OCB a little bit? Not me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, because Oscar Pereja does <laughs> at footy I watched, under I a couple games, at footy underscore fan 76. Uh, who do you see going from OCB to the first team in Ooh, December? Actually, do you have an answer for this? Okay, um, the Tablante could be one. I've heard some hype about him, but that uh, that really tall forward, Gluvasevic. He's like oh, six foot. Something. Yes. Is he like six foot three or something? Yeah, he's, he's from like he's huge Montenegro or, or Serbia or something like that. Yeah, I think I think he's Serbian, but he I think he's got a decent goal scoring record when he comes in for them. I uh, and he was signed. He was signed for a bit of money. He like was like an actual. He wasn't like just someone like they picked up wherever and said, "Hey, you want to play for OCB?" He like, he was like an actual transfer. I think. Mm. Um, okay. So I I have to think he gets a shot. I think IS and DK, IS coming and DK emerging kind of hurt his chances a little bit, but I think that he could be a candidate to like sign a pro contract and immediately get loaned back or like 
get loaned somewhere else like Santi was. Mm, yeah. Okay. Um, and then Coleman, yes or no, would you take him with his contract being up in December with the option for an extension? As a DP? Uh, I... Definitely yeah, maybe not. But not. I mean, yeah, like, but is, is his I, contract I up? Be... His contract would be up in December, oh, I believe. So we wouldn't have to make him a DP. We could re- there is a, an extension. We could give him an extension, uh, which would keep him as a DP, or we could say no. <sighs> kind of like what we did with Yuri. You know how we rejected Yuri's one year extension, but then he got a new it, contract. Yeah. yeah. So kind of like that. Would you take him on a restructured deal? See what Pereja can do with him. I mean, we need like depth at this hand, but if it's immensely costly, like I would have to look a little bit more at how he's doing it, uh, set up with Daniel. But we definitely that that's like when it comes to depth, that's kind of the position that we really do not have a like for like for. So if I mean, there's a player yeah. already in our ranks that we don't have to pay a transfer fee, and if there's nobody coming up from OCB that would kind of claim that spot, like. I definitely think it's worth a look because, you know, in games where Mauricio's injured or, you know, when he has to come out, say, 60 minutes, we're, we're a completely different side without, you know, Mauricio and also just that role in general being occupied. Like if David Larea is not that guy, like maybe, maybe Coman might be worth a look. I mean, he's only 22 years old as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I would take him under 200K in salary. Ooh, I don't yeah, know if just, that would. Uh, under 200K. Yeah. 200k is not that much. I, I think. What is he on? No, like hey, I think he, he might go for more. Let me look. I'm oh, see his no salary. way. Okay, so I was wrong. His contract with us expires in 2022. His his loan expires. Who the fuck negotiated that? Oh wait, Nicky Butts. Nicky Butts. Yeah, he needs to uh, on that contract. He needs to be out of here, however possible. Sorry, it's not. Yeah, worth he's it. making 450k. No, I wonder how much of the wages we're paying, but if any, but yeah, I, I international honestly, slot, DP slot, no, yeah. nah, we shift can't. him out. Should how much sell really, him back uh, to Paraguay? Yeah, so honestly, we need to sell him back to Saddle Botanio. I'm actually really high on Coleman. I'm probably the only yes, but, is, but if he's sitting on a DP slot, no, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying as a DP, I mean, you know, they have to look at that, obviously, but um. I, I think he's a good player. I just I see quite a lot of potential in him, and the style of play we we have now is is definitely suited to him. I mean, you know, the coach that brought him in, uh, Jason Christ, he started showing some decent form under Christ. Then he got an injury. Christ got fired. Then you have James O'Connor, who, you know, it was a mismatch for for players like Coleman. You know, he's uh, and then he gets found out on loan. So it's it's just like. I don't, I don't feel like he's been given the the opportunity to to thrive. I don't think we've had the environment for him for Coleman at all. Or Mueller, and this was proven last season as well. Same with the other younger guys we got. Um, I think he put him in the system. He's a he's a fit. He can he can play any of those attacking positions behind the striker. I think you give him another chance, but they have to do something with that DP slot before they do that. I Except that I'm not sure what they can do. Maybe if if he can buy them down and take them out of the DP category, I don't know. But me personally, I actually like Coleman. I would give him another chance. I'd welcome him with open arms and and try and try and get him in. 
I would love to give him another chance. I'd love to see what Pereja can do to him. He's 22 years old. He's mm-hmm. still got potential. You know, he, I liked his play. I liked on the ball. He's technical. Um, you know, he could mm-hmm. improve in some aspects of his game, of course, but I didn't see a whole lot wrong with him to, I mean, remember we were all like sad that he was getting loaned out because he showed some decent progress or uh, some decent play under Christ and under JOC, but JOC just never played him. JOC just uh, didn't like flair players. It was pretty obvious, you know, he didn't like anyone that could express themselves too much. And I think that's what Coleman does. Coleman would be a a shoo-in for the number 10 and to play on the left or the right and, and be able to drift a little bit. I just, I just think he's a player. I mean, I'm looking at our subs bench right now for the last game and, He's a better option than Rubinho. He's a right now better option than Tesharak in Delhi. Um, possibly, you know, second Delhi seems to have gone way off the boil, mm-hmm. and Michelle's moving up in that in that pecking order as a striker, and then you've got uh, Matteo Ayas coming in. So you've got obviously we have striker situations covered. I agree with what Chess said is that we're lacking that attacking midfield player, and we might well have him already at the club. I, I'd say. You give him another chance. That's that's my opinion, and you know, give him a chance to express himself. All right, and then last kind of topic here. We don't really have a complete question on it. Uh, is the n- rumored newcomer Sylvester Vanderwater? So basically, to sum it up, the best way I can sum it up is we put in a bid for him, rumored to be around six hundred thousand euros, which is around seven hundred thousand dollars. Um, I think last week and they said no Sylvester Vanderwater and his agent talked to club club says they will negotiate with Orlando should they come back with another bid this weekend Orlando come back with an increased bid from the last 600,000 euro bid not high enough for the technical director of Heracles uh, which is the club he plays for to take seriously instantly rejects does not negotiate Player does not like that, that there was no negotiation after being promised that there was a negotiation, that there would would be a negotiation if there was another um, attempt from us to buy him uh, and text the coach that he will not be playing in the game. Hedicles' front office does not like that one bit. Give him the maximum fine. Tell him to sit at home. Do not train with the team until Wednesday. That came out. That news came out this morning. Um, in an official statement from Heracles uh, FC or whatever their club name is. Um, basically, uh, very disappointed with him. Uh, they said that, you know, during this tough to- these tough times, they want their their team to be together, and Vanderwater is not showing that. So I want to get your guys' thoughts on whether he was right to kind of say, no, I don't want to I don't want to play because you guys didn't honor uh, what you said you were gonna do. Um, and you guys probably haven't looked at him on the field, but would you take a player with that mentality? I wouldn't. Not for me. Um, again, question I'll ask anybody. If we had a player, let's just go with Jackson Mendes. Uh, the club turned down a bid for him, I think, in, in January. So was it like seven million or so? That was rumored. Rumored, okay. Now... Let's just say Mendes gets a bit annoyed about it and says, okay, well, I want to leave. You said that, you know, this is a stepping stone. We're a development league. I can come here, develop and move on, which is what we're hearing MLS is, right? And the club say, well, no, we didn't get the offer we like. 
Mendes refuses to train or play, what do the fans think of Mendes? Do they jump to Mendes' side and say, oh, well, yeah, we absolutely stand by him. We should let him go for whatever he wants. No, they'd be annoyed at him, so they should be, because at the end of the day, the player has a contract. And, like you say, given the additional context of the troubling times that a lot of people in the world are finding right now, I mean, if my, if he's a key player and, and 600000 is your offer and, and whatever the increased offer was, it won't be much more than that. I mean, the same people getting mad at Heracles, Heracles not um, taking that bid are the same people that thought the other club should have accepted the 40% offer we made for um, for Conan, if you remember that whole scandal. So we have to respect the fact that, yeah, we want top dollar for our players, but other clubs have the same right to... Um, to ask for the same thing, and if I have a player who's under contract and who's refusing to play, then I'm I'm sorry, I don't take the side of the player. It, that player could easily have a good couple of years in MLS. Somebody else comes in looking for him, and he could do the same to Orlando. And you know, it's unfortunate for it to happen. But if you buy a player that is exhibiting this behaviour already, and then he does it to you, you can't really complain. So um, for me, you've got a good team spirit right now. Everybody's playing for the shirt. Everybody's playing for each other. And you have one guy who thinks that, you know, he's important enough to decide when he can and when he can't play. So it's a no for me. I wouldn't, I would leave him alone. I would say, look, we'll go find somebody else. And I would also maybe offer more money at what clubs are looking for. For me, I want to try and look at this objectively and not as a fan because my viewpoint kind of comes across as a view fan point. But if you have an agreement with the club and then the club go back on it, and you know, he was promised, and this is what's reported, mm. a negotiation. Orlando sent in an offer, and instead of saying, no, we want this, he just said no. So I can understand the player's frustration. I can understand why he felt... He had to do what he did. I don't agree that he should should have done it the way he did it. I think it was unprofessional. And I think he will learn from this. Um, but I understand it. I'm not hey, like... Here's I'm another question. I'm not going to like, sit here and say, I don't want this player now because he did this. Right, but would you accept it if one of our players did the same thing? Honestly, okay, here's an honest thing. If we gave a promise Buds, and then we went yeah. back on it, I would. I'm sorry, Daniel. If Nicky Buds fucked you. over a player, <laughs> then I would say fuck you, Nicky Buds. But we don't have Nicky Buds anymore. We have. Well, I don't. I don't. Office. I don't think our front office would do that. I don't think Muzi or Moreira would do that. So if someone comes in and says, "Okay, we'll give you two million for Mendes," it, it depends. So if we promise a negotiation yeah. and and then don't negotiate. That's negotiation, going on. Negotiation six, and they come back with three. Then what? Then you say, then you negotiate. All you have to do is you have to send that email back, say no, sorry, our price is still well, six. That's what Arakles probably did with Orlando City. To be honest, they probably want closer to two million for the player, which is a number I saw somewhere. Yeah. And Orlando have offered a third, and probably offered half the second time. So yeah, absolutely. Don't sell your players for for something like that. I mean, you know, it's, it's just when. So Daniel. Let, let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. Have you gained more professional sensibility since you were 23 years old? I have. 
Sylvester Vanderwater's 23 years old. Mm-hmm. I think he can be given a pass for this. And and honestly, not playing so, is the only leverage he has. He has no other leverage. So he's using the leverage he has available to him to try and get what he was promised. Remember, he's not demanding a transfer. Well, no, just, he has to, there's a big reason why he's not yeah. demanding his transfer, because he has to give up his loyalty bonus. At the same time, yeah. he's not demanding a transfer, though. He could, but he's not. It might Gareth, not be smart, but he could do it. Yeah, but Gareth Bale didn't demand a transfer out of Real Madrid. Uh, yeah, he yeah. made it plainly obvious he wanted out. You know, he's more interested in playing golf, but if he answered that request... I understand Bale's situation because yeah. he, he, he had a transfer lined up to where he would make a million pounds a week or whatever, mm-hmm. and then Real Madrid took that chance away from him. So I understand why he was pissed. China was going to give him that much. What the fuck? And Real Madrid took that away from him. Oh, I'd be so pissed. You know, but it's like, again, do contracts mean anything? Maybe they don't. I can tell you my... I'll tell you now in my personal... sports, not really. I can tell you now in my personal experience living in this country, contracts mean nothing. That is correct. They don't. Um, I... is the business the 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 team can take it away at any point? They can cut you. Yeah, it's it's um. All I'm thinking is like, like I said, that the yeah maybe you're right. Maybe the player's age is a factor, but all the same, I just wouldn't want a a character like that around. I'd rather see, you know, someone a little I, more. I don't think we have enough information about the situation to make an accurate judge of Vanderwater's character. No, and I, yeah. I agree with that context. I'm going off the situation in hand, but I feel as if, if a player, you know, your actions speak a lot louder than words do. And if your actions are to to refuse to play, basically, and okay, well, that says plenty. I, I do know for a fact that, you know, with the concept of exceptionalism we have in Orlando, that if one of the players did that in Orlando, they'd be getting chastised and ostracized. Uh, here's the thing though if you're made a so in my job man so i'm a cook management is very important when you're a cook because there are some there are some situations that um and i'm not going to go into great detail but i actually recently left a job because management problems um management is extremely important because you depend on them for the ability to do your job for the ability to provide for yourself financially. You depend on them for a lot of things. And when finance, when management makes a promise to you or there's an understood promise of, Hey, we're going to support you in your role. And then they break that promise. You feel really hard done and pretty much your only leverage and, and players are at a similar level of mercy to management and coaching staff. Pretty much your only leverage is saying, hey, I have this one skill set that you depend on for your product. I'm not going to use it unless you keep your promise. I can totally understand that. And it has happened. Um, actually, I'll give you an example on one of my teams. I'm a Cowboys fan. Ezekiel Elliott held out in training camp of, um, two years ago to get his money for his contract. I wasn't mad at him. He's 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 the one out there risking his body. He's the one out there who is the product. He he is totally right to hold out until he gets his long term contract that he deserves, and that's what he did. And and now he has it, and there's no hard feelings on either side, and he's playing well for the team. So I I think it's much more of a this is just business kind of thing. And if we can get a good player 
for a, a fee that we're comfortable with. But this is a nothing situation once he puts on the purple jersey. In my I opinion, will say I do when. like the I do like the profile of the player. I think he can come in and not be a direct Nani replacement, but come in and replace that 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 position adequately. Um he works again, I've said it before, I think on on uh, I've said it before basically. Works hard defensively. Um quick burst of pace, good technical dribbling. Um has a fast shot. Uh, I think we've talked about it before that Laren had like a quick shot. Like he would swing his foot at it so quickly. Um, and other players have a slower one, a slower windup. Uh, he has a quick one and just very, he's got a very dangerous cross with his left foot too, from what I've seen. Um, obviously these are highlights, but I try and look at the, I don't try and look at the goals and assists more as, much as what I see technically about players and stuff like, you know, a quick burst of pace around a corner, around a player, stuff like that. And uh, I look, try to look at the stats and stuff like that. I like the player's profile is basically what I'm trying to say. So if he does come, that's another thing. I think he would be, he has a high chance of success in Orlando, especially under Pareja. Chase, do you have any thoughts on the uh, Vanderwater matter? Yeah, I, I actually, my phone died, not going to lie, so I was, I was gone for a little bit, but I, I partially agree. I feel like sometimes I sit in the middle with a lot of things, and that's not always a great idea, but I, I can definitely see why, you know, there's not a lot of money in the air to be safe, particularly outside of maybe like the top four of like, you know, PSV, Feyenoord, Ajax, and, and a lot. Um, and, and once you're a, player, a team like Caracas, who... Uh, you know, probably rely on getting a couple million from a player every few years to kind of stay financially buoyant. It's you, particularly right now in these times, you might be a little more, uh, I don't know if frugal is the right word, but like, you know, you're going to hold out for that money if, if you feel like it's a necessity and if you feel like you're not going to be able to kind of, uh, you know, be able to replace that player adequately with the money that you would get for them. And, and, and I can kind of understand where the owner is being, but also, like, I agree, like, I think that there's a time when players are, like, 23, and if you look at maybe the past few games he's played, like, it's kind of akin to Chris Mueller, where it looks like he might be kind of taking a smaller jump, or a, a large jump in his career, as opposed to previous years, so maybe he wants to get a move to, you know, like, Ajax, obviously, is better than any team in the MLS, but Pound for pound, I would say that the MLS might even be a little bit better than the year to be said. At times, once you get outside of that top five, like there are some not great teams there. I'm not going to lie to you. And and I think the attraction of playing in the MLS is a lot more than it was a few years ago, particularly for young players. Um, and, you know, with, you know, the best left back in the world right now played in the MLS like three years ago. And I, I think players will notice that, like you can come here, improve your stature. And then if you want to, you can get a move back and, and uh, you know, see what you can do maybe in a top five league or, or something of the sort or find success here. Um, just overall, like if a player wants to move, I can't fault him for it. And, you know, I, I personally don't mind him sitting out because, you know, he, as much as the team is paying his contract, like he is paid to play and they kind of, uh, you know, I don't mind a player being like, Oh, like I need my needs to be adhered to. And if, if I don't think this is kind of working, I don't want to be held hostage by a contract and you know i i get what daniel's saying about like you know he signed on the dotted line that's that's kind of up to him but 
you know, it, it's a bit of a nuanced issue. But but overall, on the player, like like I said, he looks really good just based off raw numbers. Like like the games that I've seen, like they're not sustainable, but it's like immense. Like his defensive contributions, he has like six or seven defensive actions in a game. You know, he completes like five dribbles meaning like he beats a man like quite a lot puts in a lot of key passes that that could create goal scoring chances and and pops up with goals and assists and i mean he's predominantly a right-sided player so it'll be interesting to see how that kind of works with chris uh you know maybe competition will kind of breed you know push them to an even higher level than they might be playing at the moment but you know, and another thing that I kind of enjoyed is is a player mentioning our club by name as a preferred destination. I think it's just kind of showing that, you know, maybe some people are starting to realize that we are not only succeeding in this league, but playing playing attractive football, soccer, whatever you like to call it, and 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 at a level that can, you know, up and and have kind of a coach that can up the caliber of player. But you know, the whole situation is interesting, and you know. We we do good business, but sometimes I think that we might want to try to get players for under their value, which I can't fault anyone. But that kind of leads to a lot of these things falling through, and and that's kind of the side that I'm kind of guessing is going to occur with Sylvester Vanderwater. I can definitely see this move mm-hmm. uh, not coming to fruition. Like personally, just you know, particularly after this kind of Florentino Coleman thing and, and, and with Castro going to Cruz Azul, like we've missed out on these things and, and, and oftentimes I think these moves will just kind of occur silently, if that makes sense. Like, you know, we won't hear about a player until maybe two days before it's announced. So that that's, those are the deals that I'm, I think have a higher likelihood of coming through and not these kind of transfer sagas. Like, I don't think we're really a club that likes to participate in them. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I, I asked, we didn't really hear about until a couple of days before it. Um, and then everything Except went crazy. For Lions blog breaking the news. Yeah. Spot on, mate. Spot on. Uh, it has been a long one, but that should just about do it. Please don't hesitate to let us know your thoughts on our thoughts on the Chicago match and the Vanderwater scandal. Uh, don't forget to leave a five star review to the survey linked in the description. Daniel, thank you for staying up with me. Where can our listeners find you at? Pokemon okay, man, 982 on Twitter and Ellenroad Rates 2 on Instagram. Uh, Chase? Ramos OCSC on Twitter and uh, Chase W. Crowley on Instagram. And Adam. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Kosher Taco Truck. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Yo. See ya. Good night.